This is Phoenix FM. Thank you, Kat, and thank you to Ian for a brilliant drive time show. And now it's six o'clock just after, and you have me, Karen Ridges, here on the House of Fun. On 98FM and online, this is Phoenix FM.
do love a little bit of madness and shut up. It is Friday. The weekend can start now because it's 6.06, because I said so, and because it is the house of fun. I've got some fantastic guests, and we are talking this evening about your jobs. What is your best job? What is your dream job? What is the worst job that you have ever had? Drop me a line if you'd like to tell me. Radio at phoenixfm.com. Drums, please. Here it is, a groove slightly transformed, just a bit of a break from the norm. Just a little something to break the monotony Of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control It's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it And think of the summers of the past Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast Pop in my CD and let me run around And put your car on cruise and lay back Cause it's the summertime Girls are dressing less and checking out the fellas to tell them who's best. Riding around in your Jeep or your Benzos, or in your Nissan sitting on Lorenzo's. Back in Philly, we be out in the park. A place called the Plateau is where everybody go. Guys out hunting and girls doing likewise. Honking at the honey in front of you with the light eyes. She turn around to see what you beeping at. It's like the summer's a natural aphrodisiac. And with a pen and pad, I compose this rhyme to hip you and to get you equipped for the summertime. About the days growing up and the first person you kiss And as I think back makes me wonder how the smell from a grill can spark up nostalgia All the kids playing out front, little boys messing around with the girls playing double dutch While the DJ spinning a tune as the old folks dance at your family reunion Then six o'clock rolls around, you just finished wiping your car down It's time to cruise, so you go to the summertime, hang out, it looks like a car show Everybody come looking real fine Fresh from the barbershop, applauding the beauty salon 
Every moment fronting and maxing, chilling in the car, they spent all day waxing, leaning to the side, but you can't speed through two miles an hour, so everybody sees you. There's an air of love and of happiness, and this is the Fresh Prince's new definition of summer madness.
God, I remember that. Probably one of my guests might remember that in a club in Southend as well. Who's going to be speaking to us shortly? I remember I was jumping around with my hands in the air and I looked around. My friends had all deserted me. I was dancing on my own. Absolutely love that. House of Pain. You're listening to me, Karen Ridges, here on the House of Fun. Coming up next are two fantastic guests. As I told you earlier on Ian's show, we have the wonderful Scott Whitehead from Zest City and also Sam Broadley, who is the author of I'm Your Man, an absolutely, utterly brilliant book. When I first heard of it, I said, oh, my God, that is just such a genius idea. We are asking you... What is your favourite job, your worst job, your dream job? We're talking about jobs, businesses. And if you run your own business, you probably think, oh, my God, it's the best thing to talk about. But if you're in a job that you particularly don't like, then you probably don't want to talk about it. But you can tell us. It's just between us. Radio at phoenixfm.com. All of that and some really cool old school club classics as well. Thank you. 
too high, baby. You really turn me on and on. My temperature is rising. No, I don't want you to go. A street kid gets arrested. Gonna do some time. He got out three years from now just to commit more crime. A businessman is caught with 24 kilos. He's out on bail and out of jail, and that's the way it goes. Athletes rejected, governors corrected. Gangsters, thugs, and smugglers are thoroughly respected. The money gets divided. The women get excited. Now I'm broke and it's no joke. It's hard as hell to fight it. Don't buy it. Absolutely love that track. Just getting my headphones out because on my head, even because it's all go here in the studio this evening, having a laugh with two really super guys who we're going to be chatting to. We're going to be speaking to Scott Whitehead in the next couple of minutes. I'm feeling the love of the old school club classics at the moment. And that was Grand, Grand Master Flash. I can't even say it. That's the American version, isn't it? Grand Master Flash and Melly Mel White Lines. Don't do it. Absolutely love that track and I'm going to bring you into the conversation conversation what is wrong with me let me drink my water <laughs> Scott it's all going pear-shaped welcome to the house of fun Scott oh welcome Karen <laughs> how are you I'm doing great thanks yeah yeah, yeah oh, really good have you had a good week it's been a really good week thanks yeah because yeah, I know Friday. yeah oh me too me too I do mm-hmm. like to just come in and chill out and uh, have a chat with my wonderful guests and my lovely listener Um, Now, we're talking about jobs and careers, maybe starting your own business. Um, I just find it a really fantastic, interesting topic. And as I said earlier, I think lots of people, if you run your own business, you're you're really passionate about it and you enjoy talking about it. Hmm. But on the other end, you know, if you are in a job that you particularly don't like, then you really don't want to talk about it, do you? And a, a few of our listeners are sending in messages about their worst jobs and their best jobs. So they are going to be um, quite interesting to find out more about. But do you get, you know, in your business coaching capacity, Scott, Mm. do you get people coming to you that are feeling frustrated about their job? Yeah, we do. And it's, it's interesting. So we get business owners who have staff that they find difficult to motivate, but we also find the business owners say, you know, my company's grown and now... The job I have as running the company isn't what it was 10 years ago and we're more successful but I'm not enjoying it as much you know it's quite mm. quite an interesting situation for a lot of people yeah. yeah what advice would you give us to somebody then that firstly okay let's start with running your own business and it's mm. really changed I mean there is a really good book what is it called it's gone out of my head but it will come back to me but it's about the guy or the girl that really loves making pies I'm yeah. sure you'll know about it E-Myth, E-Myth Revisited, Revisited yeah. yeah they love Love making their pies so they decide to open a pie shop and by the end of it they're doing absolutely 
you know, they're all their day and night making pies. They're sick to death of making pies. So yeah. when you're running your own business, it's not necessarily the thing that you love doing, is it? You've got to do lots of other things to make the business function. Yeah. Is that what you're finding then with some of your clients that the business has changed and it could be because they're just sick to death of making their pies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the other end of the spectrum is people who love making pies yeah. and they just they just don't recognise that, you know, the accounts they're doing, you've got to do sales and stuff and you've got to get out of the kitchen and, and mm. do the rest of the stuff as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we sort of advise people, you know, recognise what you like doing, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. And as your business grows, start subcontracting the bits you don't like because there's other people who love them. Mm. I mean, you know, we've got a fantastic, fantastic bookkeeper, Helen, who looks after all our invoices and, and does a great job of it. And it's something I can't stand doing. Yeah. But it's such a joy to, to not have to worry about that anymore because it's such an important part of the business. But say the business owner is thinking, well, you know, that's all well and good, but Scott's very successful, so he can pay somebody and, you know, you can pay someone, you know, full time to do all these roles. But you don't necessarily have to bring a person on full time to, to work with you, do you? No, that's absolutely right. We're in the gig economy. So, you know, there's companies like Uber and stuff like that. It's got people thinking, do I need a full time job or can I work on gigs? Can I work freelancers? And in fact, nearly everybody works for me. And most of the company is freelancers and we only choose people where it works for them. Mm, that's interesting it's been much better have you had people come to you for advice scott that are a bit fed up with their job and they're looking for alternatives to their career or they're looking to get motivated within their role and we are talking about jobs because we are we have wonderful author as well sam broadley in who's got an absolutely brilliant book i'm your man so he will be giving us his advice as well later on um, but on top of that, what I love is Sam in this book is reaching for the stars and he's applying for jobs like to be the England football manager or to yeah. be the Pope. So, you know, it's really reaching for the stars. Do you ever advise your um, clients that come to you that are looking for motivation to reach really high? Yeah, if they're in a position where they can do it, um, yeah, certainly. I don't see why anyone shouldn't reach very high. It always starts with a dream. Uh, there's a book we always recommend to anyone who's got ambition called Think and Grow Rich mm. by Napoleon Hill. It's, it's one of the best books I've ever read. Yeah. Um, it's a life-changing book when yeah. you hear so many people and, you know, they're massive entrepreneurs or massive stars and that book changed their life. Yeah, yeah, I hear it time and time again. There's a reason it's been on a bestseller list since 1946 when it was first published. So, um, yeah, it's one of the ones that stands out. So, yeah, absolutely, reach reach for the stars. Um, yeah, just work, look at your network, work out what you know, who you know, how you're going to open the door and, mm. and what you're going to do to stay in there. Mm. Do you think that there is such a thing now as a nine-to-five job or do you think with technology, you know, I'm just thinking back when I was in private banking, um, you know, I walked out the door at five, quarter past five on a bad day, and I just left everything behind. But now we've got emails on our phone. You can get access at home. Mm. You know, it's a lot, isn't it, really? Because you can't properly switch off, even if it's not your own business, perhaps, if you're working for somebody. Yeah, that's true. And we see a lot of people who sort of um, say, you know, I always bend over backwards for the customer, you know, I'll put all the hours in and you think it's a bit of a shame, really, because if you work for a company that, that values you, you shouldn't really have to do all these overtime 
all of the time. It should be every now and then if there's an emergency. Mm. Um, so yeah, companies ought to be thinking about how do we get the best out of our staff and make sure they're happy to work nine to five or whatever. To some extent, some companies don't need people to work nine to five and can use freelancers and do different hours. Mm. It is hard. I mean, you know, I run my own business and mm. obviously I know you run Zest City very successfully. And, you know, sometimes like it's been a hectic week. My son's been poorly. So, you know, I've sort of stayed on top of everything, but there's things that I need to do. So, you know, I might decide to work from 10 o'clock till midnight or, or nine o'clock to 11. And, you know, just to sort of clear out a bit of a backlog or just get rid of emails that are just coming in and you think, well, I don't really need to see that. I'll hit delete. Um, but then it just amazes me, Scott, the amount of people that I will reply to something and I get a flipping reply back <laughs> at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. And I think, look, I haven't got a life. <laughs> you know, surely you have. Why are you answering my email? And then you just think, I didn't want you to answer my email because yeah. now, you know, it's another one for me to answer. But do you think that that is creating a problem in society at the moment? Yeah, it is. I, I, I know several people who just cannot switch off and don't accept that they're allowed to switch off. They always need your permission, really, to say, put the phone down. Mm. Uh, some people need someone else to say, put your phone down. Mm. Stop. Um, it can wait. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's where you come in as a business advisor or a business coach? What would you class yourself as? Because I know you run a big business and you've got a few um, hats that you wear. Yeah, I've got quite a few, quite a few <laughs> hats now. Yeah. My accountant often scratches his head and he thinks, what do you do, Scott? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's mainly a business buyer. So we advise companies how to, you know, how, most people how to get the best out of their companies. Um, but it's not about squeezing margins. It's about squeezing, squeezing the system so that you get the best out of the people. Hmm. that we find tends to work best what bit of advice then would you give to my listener that's thinking um you know i'm thinking i might want to set up my own business but i've got my job you know do i leave the security of my job or you know what to do what advice would you give that person oh that's a really good question Ken. i would always encourage first up read the e-myth you've already touched on it if okay. michael berg if michael berg is book sort of jumps out yeah and you see this is all the reasons i want to set up a business then that's a really good sign if you read it and you think oh that's quite scary then mm. maybe setting up a business isn't for you mm. so i would start with that running a business is very different to how people think it is i think a lot of it is you the, the people you tend to see on tv that are successful they're on tv because they're successful it doesn't necessarily mean that the average business owner a lot of business owners you know work nine to five work very hard do a great service but they don't go around getting it publicized and, and go on tv all the time so look for the role models where where you want to find them if you don't mm. want a celebrity avoid that mm. one of the best bits of advice someone ever gave me actually i thought this is a great idea is if you're looking for a, a job you know you always get asked in interviews where do you see yourself in five years time and that's true of business owners. We always ask a business owner, where do you want your business to be in five years' time? <laughs> Go on LinkedIn. See if you can find a CV of somebody else who is where you want to be in five years' time. And then see if you can strike a rapport with them. Find out what they did to get there. If there's mm -hmm. anything they do different. You might find your perfect mentors able to talk to you and is living the life that you want. Mm, I love you know? that. And now my brain's ticking over thinking, where do I want to be in five years? And I have no absolute clue. <laughs> That's not good, is it? That's why I need a business coach. <laughs> Have you got yours mapped out? Do you walk your walk or are you thinking, you know, you're so busy guiding other people that you, you haven't put your 
your plan in action? No, I've got to say, I practice what I preach. Um, I know exactly where I want to be in five years' time, and I'm taking the right steps. And every quarter, I have a sort of bucket list of things that will get me towards it and work it off and just, just take them off. It's a great way to live. I've got to living on purpose, you know, make sure you're heading where you want to go. Scott, that's absolutely brilliant advice. Very inspirational. Hopefully, you've still got time to chat in a little while, but yeah, just in so. case, can you just give out your website in case anyone wants to um, Google you and find you? And then we will put your website on the Listen Again link as well. Oh, thanks, Karen. Yeah, if anyone wants to get in contact, it's zestcity.com. And we do business coaching and web designing while recruiting at the moment, actually. So, um, yeah, just uh, have a look at the vacancies and let us know. We might have something for you. Fantastic, Scott. Well, look, we're going to play one of your tracks coming up next. We've got some brilliant music lined up. And, yeah, we've also got Sam Broadley as well. It is all go here. It is 6.31 on this Friday. I hope you are enjoying the show as much as I am. Let's go over to a little bit of this one. This is Soul to Soul featuring Karen Wheeler and Back to Life. You listen to me, Karen Ridges. I knew you were going to like it, Scott. Here on the House of Fun. Back to life. Back to reality. Back to life. Back to reality.
this is Karen Ridges inviting you to join me for the House of Fun this and every Friday evening from 6pm for two hours of great music, lively chat and some awesome guests. We're across Brentwood, Billericay and surrounding areas on 98FM and online to the world at phoenixfm.com. Join me, Karen Ridges, for the House of Fun, Friday at 6pm here on Phoenix FM.
Now, we all love a little bit of New Order, don't we? Especially on a Friday. I love that track. But Scott and Sam, seven and a half minutes is a bit long, isn't it? And we've got lots to talk about. So I feel let's carry on the chat with a little bit of New Order in the background. It's a great song, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's one of the best. Yeah. Do you like it, Sam, or are you too... Are you too much? You too young? No, I'm, I look young, but I am not young. <laughs> <laughs> I can assure you. What's your secret, Sam, to looking young? You look great. You look, yeah. you look fine. Super. Yeah. I think we all do. We're going to tweet a photo in a minute, my lovely listener, so you can see these two gorgeous men with me. <laughs> What's your secret, Sam? Do you put, you know... Drink lots of water and have moisturiser on your face? Uh, lots of moisturiser. A girlfriend yeah. once introduced me to moisturiser. Changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> but a few years ago, a guy wouldn't even admit to that. And I think now it's just become... It's gone the other way, isn't it? You've got to do it, haven't you? Because you want to look good, don't you? Some boys are more girly than girls these days. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we were talking about your Facebook earlier, so we know. We know your your truth. You do like to dress up. Don't we all? (laughs) Sam, it's great to have you in the studio, and we're going to find out a lot more about you. I've got your book in my hand, I'm Your Man, Sam Broadley. And that led me to think about your best jobs, your worst jobs. That's why we've got the job expert, the business expert who is... Scott Whitehead, he's just giggling, thinking, what the heck's she going on about? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going on about. It's all very organic, my show. Very organic. So, yeah, we're sort of chatting about jobs and best jobs and worst jobs. I'd love to hear from you, my lovely listener. Have you got a job that you hate? If so, we will mention you, but we don't, we don't have to mention your name. I was thinking about the jobs that I've had as we've got Blue Monday in the background. Have you had a job that you particularly don't like, Scott? Or do you really not want to even mention it? It was so bad. No, no, I've had a, a couple of jobs, a couple of contracts, really. So we did web design for a couple of companies and we realised that they weren't, they, they were 
doing unethical things to say, <gasps> sort of, well, I don't oh. really want to do this, you know, do, yeah. do, do things morally and legally or stop, or we're not going to represent you. Oh, so, gosh. It's one of those nice things where you think, I'm so glad I run this company because I can say no to contracts like yes, that. Yes, that's scary. You know, someone else that might not have that opportunity. Yeah, of course. What about you, Sam? Have you had a job that you particularly didn't like? Uh, in my very early adult days, I worked in call centre, Oh, and that's a good that one. Un, that was unfun. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm aware is not probably not a word. Oh, but uh, no. yeah, I quit that to go on a football tour around Europe. Lovely. That's how much I respected that job. And I came yes. back and worked at another call centre. Yeah. And I respected that even less because I quit because I refused to miss a World Cup football match, any of them. So I quit for a month <laughs> just to watch football on the telly. No. Is that yeah. a decision that you think is a good one now or yep. these years later? <laughs> yep, I'd do it again. He's a right fan. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about call centres because that is one that people particularly don't like. And I remember, I'm going to name drop here, but years ago I met Alan Carr and I actually played his pregnant wife in a comedy, comedy sketch. And I was chatting to Alan Carr, like you do, and he, that's how he started, in a call centre. And he was so funny in real life, just naturally oozed funniness. And was, yeah, so I was Alan Carr's pregnant wife yeah. in a comedy sketch. Good claim. <laughs> yes, it was never used, so I must not no. have been that good. <laughs> but, no, sure you know, sure. <laughs> So was that a job that you particularly didn't like? Did you learn anything from it? Because I think as long as you can learn something, maybe that's a good thing to sort of hang on to, that you're not wasting your time. Well, I learned, the thing I did learn most was that I was wasting my time being there. <laughs> and I needed to be more ambitious. I knew I was better than that. I just yeah. needed to be more, have more direction. Um, so I just need to be more ambitious. And that's when I applied to be Pope. I can't wait till we really, I know, we're going to really get into Sam and all what he's done, which is just absolutely hilarious. Um, we've got a few people um, tweeting in and sending in messages. Um, Charlotte Windley said her best job was touring as a rural, rural stage manager. Her worst job was a telephone sales operator. So I think we're going to have a thing about the call centres. That's a bit of a thing. Um, and her dream job is to turn the Palace Theatre in Westcliff into a producing house once more and be the resident producer. That would be quite fun, wouldn't it, to, to work in theatre? Yeah, especially on the stage. Yeah, because you like that, don't you? Yeah, I do like a bit of that. Amateur, yeah. obviously. But you never know, one day, you, if there's one thing I am, it's ambitious. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know, you certainly are. I did some research earlier and had a look at some of the world's worst jobs in the world. So I'm thinking, Scott, um, if you have a terrible job, mm. you might not feel so bad after reading what some of these are because there are such a thing as a sewer swimmer. So you would be paid, and I imagine not that much at all, um, to swim in the sewers, to swim through... I can't even read this out, actually. I'm sorry, my lovely listener. Just in case you're eating your tea. 
But that's a pretty grim job. Another one in India, professional ear cleaners are a thing. So they are dedicated people that have their little tools. And I know Scott's giggling away. Um, there are people that do this. There are also head lice assassins. We've got a bit of a thing here, haven't we? With um, some spooky bugs and things. But there is actually a job of being a pet food taster. Ugh. A pet food taster. So I think if you are in a call centre then you've got it and you're not particularly happy, there are worse jobs out there, aren't there? Mm. I don't know, you can have some bad days in call centre where you <laughs> really eat anything <laughs> to get out of there. <laughs> no. That's terrible. Um, Nitu, now Nitu, I've got to say, uh, Bajakal, who is top surgeon, fantastic lady, and she was on the show just a couple of weeks ago, so I'm really pleased she's listening. Um, she says that working 35 years as a doctor and a gynaecologist, found my dream job by chance, and feel blessed that I now also practice lifestyle medicine, which fits in perfectly with human health, um, planetary health and animal welfare. I, I never plan to retire. And um, I think that's the thing. If you really love what you do, then you, you're not actually working, are you? Yeah, it doesn't feel like work, yeah. Is that what you feel with your job every day, Scott? It doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like work. No, and it's like someone said to me, you've got to find something you want to do more than work so that you appreciate the time off. Otherwise, you'll just work yourself to death and not even realise that you're missing out. Yeah, that's true. What about you, um, Sam, then? Do you think that there definitely are worse jobs than being in a call centre? Yeah, of course, there are way worse jobs. You know, mm. I, I, Yes, I didn't want to go in <laughs> very often, um, but... You know, I could have been out in all the cold weather and, you know, cleaning up mm. dog mess or anything. Can you, yeah. You know, there's always someone worse off. That's how you have to feel. I but it shouldn't so. stop you from thinking, if you can do better than this, you've got to go out and do it. Yeah. I think, and what do you think it is the thing that could trigger you to think this is it, not again? I'm, I'm just sort of thinking back to my, my jobs. And, you know, to be honest with you, you know, I left school... 30 years ago or something and I was paid what people are being paid now and I think that's utterly shocking so I kind of thought that you know what I earned was all right it wasn't particularly fantastic but that's what kept me in my role but just one day I thought to myself that's it this isn't for me um, I actually thought to myself, I've got a bit of a knack for getting people on the front pages of newspapers <laughs> yeah. and in magazines, and I want to be doing this. Because, you know, if I look back when I was in my private banking role, I'd think, oh, it's 10 o'clock, I can go and make a cup of tea. Oh, it's 12 o'clock, I can go to the gym now, or go for an audition because my boss wasn't looking. Then, oh, it's three o'clock, I'll go and have a hot chocolate. And the day really drags. Now, I can start work at seven o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock at night, I'm thinking, where did that day go? I don't know if that's a good thing or not, though, because my life is getting faster and faster. <laughs> That's not a good thing, is it? I'm getting older yeah, and older. If your life's not fun, you don't want it to drag either, do you? No. But I did that. I did that for 17 years <laughs> up in London in private banking. But it was what it was. And uh, If you're you know, clock watching, 
mm. your whole work and life that's no healthy way to live no and that that should be the trigger moment where you're thinking okay what's better out there for me mm. and how do i go in and get it yeah you know because it passes by very quickly and if you don't do something about it you know days drag but weeks and months fly mm. and you don't know where it goes Oh my gosh, you're so right. What advice would you give? Because obviously we're going to talk about your book, I'm Your Man, um, later on in the show as well. Um, and it is such a funny book and it's such a genius idea. But there is a, a serious side to it as well that we're going to explore because you really want to inspire your son in particular, which I think is quite interesting. Yeah, he's four. So I'm trying to mould his mind to believe that, you know, yes... Obviously, I'm an idiot for the jobs I'm going for, but you know, <laughs> someone does have to be prime minister. Someone yeah. does have to be, you know, pope. You know, yeah. someone has to have those jobs. And if youngsters, um, they're told, you know, go out and get a nice, safe job, safe career, but that's when they end up clock watching their whole lives. I don't want that for him. You know, if he shows an interest in, say, politics during his teenage years, I will encourage him to form his own views. And if he shows a real passion, genuine passion for it, and he wants to get into it, right, well, let's plot a route. But that should have be how we teach our kids. But like, likewise, adults as well. So it doesn't matter really what age you are. If you're not happy in your life, and you have a passion for something, you've got to find a way of getting there. What do you want from it? Find, plot a route and have the guts to actually go for it. That's the key, and that's, that's the big problem a lot of people have. Don't have the guts to go for it. Mm. And they stick with their safe life. Yeah. even though none of us are getting out alive. Mm. What's the point? It's not living, is it? It's existing. Well, I remember hearing when I went to see Tony Robbins, who I absolutely adore, and he said about the rocking chair experiment, and that's something that's always stuck in my mind. So, you know, you're 90 years old, you're on your rocking chair, you know, do you look back and just, you know, you're, you're overall really pleased with what you've done, or... You know, do you look back and think, I wish I did this. I wish I'd left my job then. I wish I'd set my business up. And, you know, so the rocking chair test, mm. I think yeah, that's I, quite good. That. Tony Robbins probably didn't invent it, but I, I think he probably did. I'm at the age of 38, <laughs> and I feel that yeah. now. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm just 38. You know, the people older than me who have many regrets. And I, but I don't want people to have those regrets mm. when they're young. So create those mindsets now. Yes. For the future, mm. they never have to have those regrets. What yeah. would be the first step then into creating, other than buying I'm Your Man, <laughs> or maybe speaking to Scott from Zest City to get some inspirational advice, but what would you say to the listener that's thinking, well, yeah, what do I do? It's all right for you, Sam. You know, you're an, you're an, an entrepreneur, you're a property guru, you're an author, a comedian, but what do I do? Start with your passion. Mm. What's your passion in? Everyone has a passion for something. Everyone has a hobby. doesn't matter what it is in life. There is some way you can monetize it or build a career in it. You know, any number of ways. You've just got to have the imagination. And because most people can't see that immediately, they don't accept the challenge of trying to find it. And, you know, when I'm sick, we all know loads of people who don't want to be in their jobs. Well, the challenge is when you've got your weekend off, you're a couple of days off, sit down with a pen and paper, brainstorm. You know, what can I do? What experience can I get? What, you know, I love designing. People might like designing. Um, fine, go and work with a designer. So go and do like a free day here and there. Build up some experience. Build up your CV. You know, get your name known. You know, when you hadn't didn't had you hadn't done any PR, 
But now look at you now. You're you're mm. now you know I'm PR, a PR queen. PR guru. <laughs> but you had to start somewhere. That's right. Yeah. And so I don't know what your route was, but you would have started nice and easy. What you know, mm. one day you would have been doing it around your job. Yeah, absolutely. You just got the imagination and yep. the wherewithal to to put yourself out there, have mm. a bit of self confidence. That's the big thing people lack, isn't it? Self confidence. They mm. don't think they're good enough to do it. Yeah. It's for other people. I think it's that just a is. Mindset. That is definitely a big part of it. And I think it's something we're all working on as well. Because I know you're a fan of personal development as well, aren't you, Scott? And I know yeah. Sam is. We all are. Do you think that's something we need to work on ourselves? Yeah, it is. I've got to shake Sam's hand there because you said something really, really important. Because I do exactly the same with my daughter, trying to get them oh. to understand that you know the world is full of opportunity mm. and yeah. pick your route and go for it. So, yeah, pick your route and go for it. Because it, it's quite shocking, actually. People quite young straight out of school you know will spend maybe more time thinking about what they're going to watch on tv or what phone to buy oh, the more God. career they want you think you're gonna spend 40 hours a week for 48 out 48 weeks of a year at this job and you're spending more time thinking about what phone you get next mm. and it's kind of strange how people have different priorities but yeah it starts with the passion start with the passion where you're about there's jobs out there at the moment that you wouldn't think exists, but when you think about it, of course it exists. So one of my mates, he's got probably the best job in the world. Do you know what his job is? He tastes Kit Kats. <laughs> That's his job. Oh, I want a vegan Kit Kat. That's why like, I want someone <laughs> oh, to sorry. invent yes, one. Good point. Yeah. yeah, no, just someone, please invent me a vegan Kit Kat. <laughs> and it I, I taste it. Coming. It wouldn't surprise me. No, coming. yeah, definitely. But someone's got that job. Yeah. Did he dream of it as a little kid? I want to be the Kit Kat taste tester. He's one of those people who just wears his passion on his sleeve, and yeah. so when he applied for the job, he knew 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 of people, and knew knew a way yeah. in there, and and, and yeah, found found a route and got it. Yeah. But it starts with the passion. It always comes back to that. Do you think you'd be sick to death of Kit Kats if you? <laughs> day I couldn't do it nine five. I certainly couldn't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what what would that be? Like, let's try a different, like you know, version of the Kit Kat. I don't even know. I've not bought a Kit Kat for twenty five years, but I do remember what they taste <laughs> like. I just think. You'd be the taster. What what would what would you be tasting? Has the recipe changed? No, it's because they want to move towards environmentally friendly packaging. Oh, and so, so to totally... do that, it changes the taste. You know, so oh, if a Kit Kat, yeah, if a Kit Kat's been in paper rather than foil for yeah. a few weeks, um, it might taste different. Oh. So they want to know what a customer's perception is of whether they feel it's improved or or changed for the worse or for the better if they okay. change the packaging. So is Kit Kat not in, in a silver thing anymore? With it a is at the moment. Oh, yeah. it is. <laughs> That's because he keeps saying, no, you haven't got it quite right. Quite yeah. Yet. Yeah, it's so like so you keep working on it. Yeah. I need to eat another hundred Kit Kats. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. yummy. <laughs> Invent me a vegan one. That's all <laughs> I say. Scott, I know you've got to disappear. I hope next time you can hang out for the next two hours instead of the hour. Yeah, I'll be really happy with what that. What is your golden nugget of advice for the listener that's thinking, what is my next step whether that's for the business or their career what what would that gem be that you give them to inspire them uh, i would say start with a plain piece of paper write down five things that you want to do and then put it away and then read it next week and then you'll know if you wrote it because you were furious about something um or whether you're actually onto something and it's passion with decisiveness rather than just being in, in heat of the moment thinking something mm. and uh, so that's one thing uh, bonus nugget um 
choose your job on your passions not on who you work with because people come and go so you know if you want to go and work with someone because your best mate's working for the company great but if the only reason you want to go there is because your best mate's working there and that best mate leaves you might be in a job you didn't like from the start mm. so yeah follow your follow your passion rather than be a follower i love that scott please tell us where you're from again we will put the details on the listen again link and then i think we've got some music lined up especially because i know scott likes it as well and i'm sure you will my lovely listener Already, yeah. So I'm from Zest City at zestcity.com, and we do business coaching and help people use the digital media to get the most out of what the web lets you do. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us, Scott. I'm sorry you've got to love us and leave us, but hopefully you will be back again soon. You listen to me, Karen Ridges, here with the wonderful Scott Whitehead, Sam Broadley, and some fantastic music. This one is Felix, and Don't You Want Me. Oh, good tune.
Phoenix FM. I rock a mic like a vandal Light up a stage and wax a chump like a candle Dance, caress a speaker that booms I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom Deadly, when I play a dope melody Anything less than the best is a felony Love it or leave it, you better gain weight You better hit bulls out a kid don't play If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it I'm on a roll, it's time to go solo Rolling in my 5.0 With my rag top down so my hair can blow The girl is on standby waiting just to say hi Did, Did you stop? No, I just drove, I kept on Pursuing to the next stop I bust a left and I'm heading to the next block The block was dead, yo So I continue to A1A Girls were hot, wearing less than bikinis Rock men lovers, driving Lamborghinis Jealous, cause I'm out getting mine Shade with the gauge and vanilla with the nine Ready for the chumps on the wall The chumps acting ill because they're full of eight ball Gunshots, ranged out like a bell I grabbed my nine, all I heard was shells Falling on the concrete real fast Jumped in my car, slammed on the gas Bumper to bumper, the avenue's packed I'm trying to get away before the jack is jacked Police on the scene, you know what I mean? They passed me up, could run it all the dope fiends If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it Vanilla ice, 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 baby. I like that one. Hope you do as well. It is 7:06 on this fantastic Friday evening, playing wonderful old school club classics. I'm hearing from you. 
And I'd love to hear more from you as well. What is your best job, your worst job? What is your dream job? I think my dream job was always to be some superstar actress. That was my best job. And then I went for all these auditions. I got absolutely rubbish roles. And I thought, well, I'd rather be myself. So here I am on Phoenix FM being myself every Friday. Ian MacDonald says his worst job was a UK trade negotiator and they were told to settle our entire trade relationship within the continent in 12 months without simply conceding everything for a dishonest boss who is probably going to concede everything again anyway. Thank you, Ian. Um, Tracy Haig. Many jobs I will probably only dream of having. I would love to be a Greenpeace campaigner. I would love to own an animal sanctuary. I'd love to be a multi-millionaire philanthropic... Philanthrop I can't say it, boys. What is it? Philanthropic? Philanthropist? Philanthropist. Philanthropist. Yes, like Bill Gates, able to give away millions of pounds. I can say it, but I just can't even say my own name sometimes on air. Yoga or Pilates teacher or an environmental lobbyist and lawyer. And a special hello to the lovely Leslie Ann Jevons, who runs a fantastic vegan toffee factory. That has got to be the dream, hasn't it? Um, running a vegan toffee factory is all three. Hard work, stressful but we're very popular and busy. And no wonder you're popular because what you do, uh, thank heavens it's Jevons, is absolutely brilliant. And I just wish I was eating your products now live on air. Um, making confectionery, confectionery for a living is a dream job and fun. Though actually my best jobs were at Viva, best days of our lives. And we got to know people like you through them. Oh, thank you, Leslie. I didn't read that little bit until the end. I want to know what's your best job, what's your worst job, and we will be speaking more to the wonderful Sam Broadley right after these. I want to give you devotion I want to give you devotion
better track to introduce my lovely next guest, Sam Brody. I know you chatted earlier, but just in case my lovely listeners only just tuned in and they're thinking, what's going on tonight on the House of Fun? Shall I tell you a quick fact about Do that? It. I'm Your Man song? Do Obviously it. Obviously, my book is called I'm Your Man. Yes. Uh, at one point, I think I had a surge in sales on Amazon. Because oh. if you typed in I'm Your Man into the search bar, then I was appearing above Wham. <laughs> <laughs> It's a proud God. moment. That is pretty cool. <laughs> Not anymore, isn't it? but uh, just for that moment, that was quite special. Oh, that's <laughs> lovely. Well, look, really pleased to see you again because we actually met. We were just talking at our lovely friend Dr. Rose event. What was it called? Uh, Communicating with Impact. I, I think I need to go back. <laughs> I need to do it again. But it was a lovely, magical weekend, yeah. wasn't it? And you and I, we, we ended up in the same little tribe, yeah. didn't we? We had some good people. Hopefully they're all listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a fantastic event. There was a lot of property people. I know you're into your property mm. as well. You run your property business. Um, but when you when you and I spoke, I just thought, oh, what a really cool guy. And then you told me about your book, and I just thought, I'm loving this idea. <laughs> Genuinely loving it. So the book is I'm Your Man. Mm. And it was a hobby from quite a few years Way ago. Back, started in 2000, when I was just 19. Yeah. I might lift your microphone up so we can all hear okay. you. So when you were 19... What did you do, Sam Broadley, when you was 19, was 19 to kick this off? I was 19, I was at uni, and uh, the England manager uh, quit, and so I applied to replace him. Just <laughs> what, what made you think, look, the job for the England manager is going to be free, I'm going to go for it. What made you do that? Well... I had experience in football management. Mm -hmm. I was, um, I'd been managing successfully uh, Martlesham Youth Under 7s. Um, they were a good side. And I just felt oh. I was ready to take that next step into uh, international management. Love it. Absolutely uh, love and it. And I got a rejection letter. Yeah. Um, which was amazing. I, I to actually get the letter. Yeah, from yeah. the FA. Yeah. Um, they told me the criteria they're looking for. They said, we've drawn up this sh a short list of three candidates. And they thanked me, for my, thanked me for my application again. But, crucially, they did not say I was not one of the three. So, as far as I was concerned, I was one of the three. And I was expecting Excellent. a call for coming for an interview. But it never came. <laughs> oh. And I had to hear about it in the press as well. So I felt that was a little bit disrespectful. <laughs> so you sent that letter off. You got the rejection letter. You were genuinely really over the moon that they'd taken the time to reply. <laughs> yeah. At, at I'm sure it was a standard reply because there are many prats out there that probably did the same sort of thing. <laughs> but I was happy anyway. So what was the next thing that came along? Uh, it was actually a, a few years later. Um, sitting in a call centre and um, the Pope became... Uh, the Pope had died, so obviously they were looking for a, a new Pope. And um, I thought, hang on, I can apply for England manager. Why don't I, I, I shift focus to religion? <laughs> Are you religious? <laughs> well, I'm, I am a Catholic. Yes. So, and I'm a male. So you've got and, a bit of an in. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> technically, I, I fit all the criteria. Those are the only two things they, they require, Brilliant. Catholic and male. So, uh, yeah, I wrote to the cardinals, asked for them to consider me. Do you remember what you actually said? Uh, yeah, I, I, I see. I write my letters 
um, they're, they're long. They're two, three, four pages long, and they're very seriously written. Yeah. As if you know, I make the assumption that I must get the job. You need me. You need me to overhaul the position, uh, to make your your organisation huge success. And uh, I come up, but I come up with idiotic ideas of how what, what I'm going to do when I do get the job. Absolutely idiotic. They're ridiculous. Do but any because sprint? they're written seriously? Yeah. Yes. They yeah. don't know if I'm being serious or not. That's what I'm aiming for yeah. <laughs> for the recipient. Do any spring to mind that uh, you've sort of said, this is why I need the job? Any particular letters? Because there's not just the two letters, No, are there's they? about 40 in there. Because this turned into a hobby. Yeah, it did. So I didn't get a reply from the Vatican, which I was most upset with, but I didn't let it deter me and I looked elsewhere and it just became quite ridiculous because I was sending my letters to my friends and they were finding it funny which was encouraging me to carry on this ridiculous hobby so you know I was applying for things like uh, Prime Minister uh, <laughs> Formula One Racing Driver Galactic Pilot <laughs> James Bond <laughs> which obviously I fit I, I'm sure you'll agree of that, course uh, you do the, absolutely the natural successor yes <laughs> and uh, on and on it went and you know I was getting some replies as well some rejection letters I was thinking this is fantastic and eventually people saying you know you really ought to publish these I was like, no, I can't do that. Uh, it took me several years to actually think, do you know what, maybe I should. And, uh, yeah, so here I am, just taking the plunge. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going quite well. I love that. And I love the fact that these guys take the time to reply. Because you do get quite, what would you say, half of them reply? Or it's not quite half? Or? Probably just, uh, just under half, I think. Yeah, which is, for me, an unbelievable return considering the people I'm writing to, the jobs for which I'm applying, I can't believe that anyone's taken the time. And the most ridiculous thing, that they're nearly always quite formal. Uh-huh. I'll give you an example. Yeah. I wrote, I applied to become the president of the EU. This was years, a few years ago. And I wrote this ridiculous letter. And uh, <clears throat> I wrote it to the British branch of the EU. It seemed to make most sense. They replied to me saying, thank you very much for your application. Um, but we're going to forward this to Brussels because it's for them to consider. I thought, no, you're not. You re- if you've read my letter, you're not going to do that. Two weeks later, I had a reply from Brussels <laughs> as well. No. And it was so formal. They actually included a four-page job description as well. Oh, god! <laughs> I couldn't believe I could not believe it. And did you, did you take it further or did you think that's, that's mm. where the fun stops? Well, I just you- thought I'm clearly under consideration. I'll, I'll wait for the call. <laughs> Again, didn't come. Another one was when I applied to be chief of the Metropolitan Police. No. So top cop in the country. And I wrote to Boris Johnson, who was the mayor of London at the time. And I wrote, again, a ridiculous letter. I started it with, hello, hello, hello. That's the kind of level we're talking about here, Karen. And, uh, yeah, gave these ridiculous ideas of what was going to do. He needs me to overhaul policing in London. That's the kind of confidence, self-confidence this man has. And um, I received a letter back from his office saying, thank you for your application. However, uh, you've applied to the wrong place. You need to apply to the Home Office. And they gave me a name, address, telephone number, email address, anything I could ever need. And I thought... My word, did you read my letter? I can't believe you're taking me this seriously. But I took it, quite naturally, as you would, as an endorsement from from Boris that he was recommending me. And I was at the second stage of the application process. Love it. So I wrote a second letter to the Home Office saying exactly that, that Boris has endorsed me, he's asked me to write to you. But also in Boris's letter to me, it, it explained how they actually choose the next uh, chief of police, mm-hmm. um, which is the Home Secretary 
only makes a recommendation to the Queen, and the Queen must sign the person off. So I thought, there's another letter here. So I wrote to the Queen of England, no. introducing myself as, I wrote a lovely two-page letter, introducing myself as, you know, the favourite to become the next Chief of Police, and I look forward to our uh, impending working relationship and indeed friendship. I look forward to our, our family's meeting and <laughs> us hitting a few wine bars together. Oh, Sam, And I received a lovely reply brilliant. from Buckingham Palace Really? Well. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. What have you done with all of these replies? Are they sort of framed and on the wall somewhere? I, yeah, they're effectively, they're all, I just keep them in a really safe place. I photocopied them, I backed them all up. Really? So I actually lost the hard copies at one point for several years. No. And I hadn't backed them up. And I thought, this dream of a book is gone. <laughs> and they just suddenly appeared. I was like... Okay, that's a sign. Yeah. I need to publish these letters. Oh, because yeah. it is. It's just such a brilliant book. I love the idea when I met you, and you're such a cool guy as well. Really nice guy. And we've we touched on it earlier that there is quite an inspirational side as well because of your son. So let's talk about that again. Do, have you sat, sat there with your son, because I know he's only four, and sort of said, you know, this is daddy's book and this is what <laughs> I've, you know, this is what I've read or what I've written, or is he too young? He is too young for that, but he sees my book lying around sometimes and said, daddy, why are you on the book five times on the front cover? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he can't understand. Because in the book, on the book on the front cover, you've, you're as the Pope. and yeah. Uh, yeah, all sorts of people. All sorts of people. James Bonds, Pope, England manager. And... Uh, Dancer, because that's when I applied to uh, replace Len Goodman on Strictly. <laughs> so what happened with that? Oh, that was, that was fabulous, actually, because they gave me a really cracking reply. I wrote this, again, insane letter. Talk, I went into great detail about how amazing at dancing I am. I mean, I went into real detail. <laughs> Ridiculous, untrue. And I was going to say, can I'm you drunk, dance? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and they just, they just sent me this lovely letter, which wasn't formal like all the others. It was just like, we thoroughly enjoyed your letter. I'm sure you'd be great. Replaced in Len and... But, uh, yeah, I didn't hear from them, so I don't think they took me that seriously. Oh, <laughs> but that's lovely. So the book is all about the letters that you have written. Yeah, it's a collection of all the letters and the replies as well. And the replies, which is lovely. You also took it to Edinburgh. Yeah, so I talked a bit about going out of your comfort zone. Well, this, for me, was a different stratosphere, let me tell yes. you. Because um, I like being on stage in shows, but public speaking is a massive fear of mine so the well, idea of a one-man show oh sam horrendous. I mean, that yeah. is just so scary i had the idea for that show eight years prior to actually doing it that's how long it took me to grow the kahunas <laughs> to actually do it really yeah so um so did you sort of visualize it you know if we're talking about our personal development side of thing did you sort of picture yourself on the stage and i can do it or did you just, I don't know, whatever Well, what else. it is, I, I mentioned earlier about having regrets. And yes. I changed my mindset in recent years, but I used to let fears overcome me. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I stopped myself doing a lot of things I probably should have done when I was young. And I just refuse to do that now. Because unless you, until you try it, how do you know? Mm. It might be a huge success. And what's the worst going to happen? It's not a success. Yeah. And you just get on with your life, don't you? So that's, um, I just forced myself to do it essentially but I left it very 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 late so I, I booked my spot in, in Edinburgh in the January of 2018 um, to do it that summer 
but I didn't even start writing the show until a month before. Oh, you're joking, oh, no. Sam. And my he, gosh. I, I was so busy with, with my business and stuff. Yeah. I just left it and I thought, I can't, I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, I thought, no, come on, let's. I had, so I had I bumped into you talk about signs I bumped into my drama teacher no. from high school I hadn't seen her for 20 years I said I can't believe this do you want to write this with me and she was like yeah let's do this really uh, yeah. oh and that's she, lovely we just spent almost every day together for four weeks yeah and uh, she came up to Edinburgh with me and uh, yeah we just created something now it was nothing nothing like perfect at all you know i had a real range of reactions to it right from not out of 10 to 10 out of 10 there was a honestly day by day that it was just, i never knew what i was going to get reaction wise it's hard though because oh. when you've got that audience in front of you yeah and some of them can be just sort of sitting there with their arms folded saying make me laugh yeah it was like that but there were others who were coming <sighs> in it well up for it yeah and they're laughing yeah. from me off you know you never knew what you're going to get, and it was the same show every day. So it's not like I was changing it. Yeah. So I knew it wasn't necessarily me every day. It was, yeah. You know, but I know I could have done a lot better. I treated it like a um, mock careers lesson slash motivational talk. So Lovely. it was about um, you know getting out there, and I was taking through the things you need to do to impress prospective employees in your dream job, and then I was taking snippets from my letters to back it up. The, the advice was ridiculous. It was yeah. insane, but the character, you know, utterly believed in himself. But the joke was, I was getting none other jobs anyway. So how could I stand up there and advise anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a good audience? Because, you know, overall number size. Because there's so much competition. There's so many things happening, yeah. isn't there? At the same time, and the comedians that I know, it's sort of like flyering by day and yeah. performing by night. Yeah. It's really quite intense. There's three and a half it? to four thousand shows throughout. August. I didn't know there was that yeah. many. <gasps> so it feels wow. insane that anyone comes to see you. But, you know, the unknowns mm. are there to try and make a bit of a name for themselves. But pe because they're not known, they're just getting like some single figures audience sometimes. And, you know, oh. but, but even tiny venues that can't fit more than 20. Right. Every available space. This studio here would be a, would be yeah. a, a theatre. Yeah. You know, and this is a fairly small room. Yeah. You know, yeah every yeah, available yeah. space becomes a theatre. Yeah. That's how you, they accommodate 4,000 shows. <sighs> You know, so but you can create an amazing atmosphere. Mm. So what I found was I was getting single figures some days, and it was people almost did, didn't feel they could laugh because they would be they would stand out. But or they just didn't find the show funny. Of course, <laughs> oh, there's that no. as well. But other days, it's, it's, you know, as soon as you go over ten, for some reason that changed the dynamic in the room, mm. and you'd have an atmosphere, and yeah. that feeds onto me, and just you know. It can be, yeah. you can have a great time with, you know, 10, 15 people. Uh, some of my best shows were with about 15 people. Mm, that's you know. lovely. Would you do it again? Uh, it took, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. I went out for a whole month by myself. So um, I don't think I'll do a whole month. I might do a couple of weeks. But mm. I've got ambitions because I like to go and do it properly now. Go and write a proper show. Maybe sit down with a professional writer and say, look, what's the best format for this show based on the book? And uh, see what I can come up with, yeah. I love that, Sam. Well, look, let's give your um, book a plug again. I'm Your Man. It's a really great title, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, it reflects the um, deluded nature of the applicant. Let's put it that way. He thinks, you need me. Yeah. Come and get me. <laughs> I'm Your Man. Letters of the world's most ambitious job applicant. 
time we're going to play a little bit more music and then maybe we could hear a few little snippets or maybe there's that top advice when you performed at the Edinburgh um, Theatre Festival, Film yeah. Festival, whatever it was called. Comedy festival. festival, Arts Festival. Um, maybe we could hear just a little bit before you need to go at eight o'clock. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, sure. I'm glad he's not going anywhere. Brilliant author Sam Broadley joining us this evening um, of I'm Your Man. Got some great music coming up. We have got old school club classics and more chat from Sam as well. This one we are going to dedicate to the growth tribes. Communicating with impact is Dr. Rohan Werasinger's wonderful event that Sam and I met at. There were some incredible people there. I hope they may well be listening because this one goes out especially to you. You're listening to me, Karen Ridges, here on The House of Fun. of the phoenix <laughs> all ends with beginnings what keeps the planet spinning ah uh, the force from the beginning <laughs> love
Join Patrick Sharing on Friday evening between 8 and 10 on Phoenix FM for Friday Night Extra. With engaging guests, a relaxing music mix and live sessions, it is the perfect way to make your Friday sound better. Selector Making moves, yeah On the dance floor yeah. Gotta move on Dancing, yeah Real hardcore yeah. From the front to the back That's where I was at You know, you know The appetite to do it like that We create it all over you DJ, it's all up to you When the crowd go wild Tell me what you do When the crowd say bow, select Rewind. When the crowd say bow, select Rewind. When the crowd say bow, select Rewind. When the crowd say bow, bow, bow. Rewind. When the crowd say bow, select Rewind. When the crowd say bow, select Rewind. When the crowd say bow, select Rewind. This goes out to all the DJs. Like that, 
Wonderful author, comedian, thoroughly cool guy, knows a lot, <laughs> but we might not spill the beans on that one. Played that for you, Sam. Thanks. Artful Dodger featuring Craig David, and hopefully we're going to play the Scissor Sisters for you afterwards. I know you're a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the giggles now. This isn't funny. 7.42 on a Friday. Tell me, Sam, where does a Friday night fly to? Every Friday. And tomorrow, it'll be the next Friday. It'll be the next Friday. I'm going to whack up all the favors, faders even. Um, what do you normally do on a Friday night, Sam? I'm just knackers. Yes. It's the end of the week, isn't it? It's not like the old days when I'd be out <laughs> clubbing to Grey David. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I hark back to. Oh, yeah. Nice. I'm going to turn that round. I think, yeah, I'm going to just, I want to hear your lovely voice. Oh, I think this microphone's got a, a <laughs> got a, uh, a mind of its own at the moment. You're, you're sitting a bit squashed down. <laughs> it is just so luxurious here at Phoenix. <laughs> but at least we reach all over to our wonderful friends in Essex on 98FM and on Line to the World as well. I'm sure everybody in America's listening. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All Sam's friends have I applied for a job in uh, America, actually. Did you? What yeah. was that for? Um, chief of the FBI. <laughs> Sam, I love your book. I'm your man. You're going to tell us a little bit more about it. But the whole thing, as we were saying earlier, you've applied for some pretty awesome jobs, haven't you? So yeah. if you are feeling fed up in your life or your career and you're looking for a change... Maybe there's some inspiration in Sam's book. It, I, don't, I actually don't think it gets more inspirational than this. <laughs> You're so <laughs> much. Trying, <laughs> trying to reach the upper echelons of society, <laughs> failing miserably, and, and staying exactly where you are in life. I mean, what could be more inspiring? <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. What were you going to tell us about the book? That You've got some advice in there and things that we need to know. Well... I mean, look, you can't give away the whole book because obviously it makes a wonderful Christmas present. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I um, advised my audience in Edinburgh in my motivational talk <laughs> is that, you know, if you want to go for the big jobs, you've got to have some big ideas. Yes. You know, why would they take a nobody yes. unless you're going to offer something really really special um, so I was I mean I talked about the chief of the police earlier yeah you know at the time of rising this we had a massive problem with um, youth gangs mm. you know and the police were just failing in breaking these up so um, I had the idea that we could infiltrate these gangs with uh, undercover coplets children <laughs> so we hire children 
and get them to infiltrate these gangs. We won't tell the parents. Obviously, we'll get, you know, pretend they're on a school trip or something. Oh, no. And uh, get them to bring, bring them down from the inside. I mean, I... That's really getting the you know the kids ready for the big wide world as well, isn't it? There's also so many advantages. It's so many advantages, and you actually wrote this to the chief of police, to Boris Johnson, to Boris Johnson mm. about being the chief of police. Yeah, that's what this kind of radical thinking I think the position needs. <laughs> To bring the crime rates down. Was this one of the ones? Because you have got a lot of replies back and they are all in your book. Was this one of the ideas that you got a response to? Yeah, so this is when I um, uh, got to the second stage of the application process and uh, nearly became friends with the Queen. (laughs) True story. What letter for you have you particularly loved writing? I did love writing for the position of... uh, Judge, head judge on Strictly. I did love that. Uh, James Bond to become the new James Bond, which I'm actually still in the running for, by the way. Um, Daniel Craig said he was stepping down and then he decided to do one more film, unfortunately. So you're going to have to wait for me. But um, I quite enjoyed that one. Uh, I even created, I'll tell you what, I'll show you. Mm-hmm. I created, just to prove how worthy I am of the position, I recreated the famous Daniel Craig scene of coming out of the sea. Did, oh, let's yeah. have a look. I went down to Felixstowe Beach in the height of winter. There he is. This is a oh, picture we've got to me. Tweet, this, this is hot stuff. This is X-rated. Outstanding physical it condition. It looks fat. I, well, you know, I've got to say it's the, the if you, thing that I like. So don't, you know, <laughs> don't diss it. We will have to take a picture and tweet it. That is hot Undeniable. stuff. <laughs> is, have you got like, what have you got on there? He's coming out of the sea. It looks utterly freezing cold. Water was brown. The water was brown. Did you really get in the water? I did. I got a few strange looks. There was no one else even on the beach, let alone in the sea. (laughs) It looks as though you've got like a a bit of a difference, though, like a suntan difference. Uh, Or is that just the picture? We must tweet a picture picture. out. And I have got a copy of the book. I have got a signed copy of the book. And it is utterly brilliant and inspirational. What I mean, we, you know, we're focusing on this book now and you've got magazines that are interested, radio people that want to interview you. Is there going to be a part two? Yes, because I have got a few more failures under my belt since the book. Um, the, f- the first letter since publishing was to President Trump when I was applying for the chief of the FBI. <gasps> And uh, I wrote a five-page letter to him. Five pages. Yeah. Um, quite a lot of gentle uh, teasing, shall we say, of the, of the president. And uh, so I was a bit nervous when I received a letter from the White House. And it took me a full day to open it. Because really? I thought, oh, man, because I know how thin-skinned he is. He's quite sensitive. Has he taken my, um, my, my clear compliments as insults? <laughs> and uh, I thought, am I going to be extradited here? What's going on? And uh, basically, I tried to bribe him with a pound. I sent him a pound coin because he only gets a dollar for a salary. Did you know that? And so oh, I thought, I'll give you a pound because yes. I think you deserve more than a dollar. And uh, I treated it as a sort of bribe without saying so. And uh, they sent my pound back. <laughs> what did they, they said say? he can't accept monies. I thought maybe if I, I should have sent it in rubles. <laughs> I probably accepted that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Where do you get the ideas from? Do you just see things in the paper and think, ah, there's a job going, I'm going to go and apply for it? Well, obviously, I'm going for the very, very, very top jobs, uh, usually in the news. So um, I think, right, 
I better get in for that one. Yeah. Get on the old laptop. Time to whack out a letter here. Uh, yeah, and I just try and think of some crazy ideas of what, you know, what am I going to do? So when I applied to be chief of Marks and Spencer, I thought, what are we gonna, how are we going to make ourselves different? Enter the space race. <laughs> oh uh, and God. customers, yeah. if they collect enough um, loyalty points, can go on the maiden voyage to the moon. You know, it's this sort of out-of-the-box thinking you need to get these jobs. I applied to be head cli- head climate scientist. No. Yeah, the top one. And I thought, well, obviously, we need to save the world. So how am I going to do it? I need to get these people excited to bring me in. So uh, I called myself Professor Sam Broadley. And I came up with a fantastic idea to save the world. Sea levels are rising quite high. All right, that's the big danger. So how can I do that? I know what I'll do. I will drain some, only some, of the seawater out of the sea, automatically lowering the sea levels. Brilliant idea, Sam. Furthermore, yes. blast it into space so you never see that water again. Fantastic. Furthermore, yeah. send it all the way to the sun and put out a little bit of the sun. Oh, Sam, Reducing these the are just the, the ideas. Did they offer you the job? No. <laughs> so if the world blows oh, up, then it's, it's not, not on me. It's not your fault. You you came up with these ideas. Absolutely love it. What do you think then? Is that there's going to be another book? There's going to be a part two. There will be, uh, unless of course I get one of the jobs. Then obviously well, that's I'll what stop I was going to say next. Say somebody said come in for an interview. <laughs> yeah. I was what a bit worried about that the Strictly one because I thought I've bigged myself up so much as a dancer here they might actually believe me <gasps> and get me in I have to come and do an, in- an audition Yeah, a little bit of dancing <laughs> Of course, at that point I would get very, very drunk and be excellent <laughs> So is that what you're focusing? You're focusing on this now, this book, and still got the next book in the pipeline. Yeah, any time a job comes up. Yeah. I think Head of Tesco has just come up, for example. So has I'll it? probably apply for that. Oh. Uh, yeah, so. What would you like to do, do you think? Job-wise? Yeah. Or do you think you like what you're doing? Well, you look at the line-up for Prime Minister. I Surely I can get you that one. You should. I actually see a, a potential, you talk about ambition, I see a potential TV show in this. Because I'm going for things like England Manager and Prime Minister and, you know, whatever, loads of different things. What do they actually do on a day-to-day basis? What does the England Manager do? Yes. England games are very few and far between. Why don't I go and follow the England Manager about for a day and see what he actually does? He sits in the stands watching Premier League football every weekend. I can do that. (laughs) I love it, but I think that's a great idea. I mean, we should get you a camera... And just set something up and you make your own, like, pilots. It could be, like, mini things. I think that would be a brilliant programme. Yeah. And it's... In, it's you and know. you have to be the main presenter and head it all up. Yeah, and just say, OK, Prime Minister Boris Johnson, if you are the Prime Minister in a couple of weeks, show me what you do on a day-to-day basis that makes you so special that I can't do this job. And I just spend the day with him it. and it's a bit of a, a documentary, light-hearted documentary. Yeah. And at the end of it, I'll think, yes, I could do your job. Same with the England manager. Same with, you know, yeah. chief of police. Oh. Go and spend a day with him. What do you do sitting at a desk you, all day? What do, what, what, You're not what on the do beat. they do? Are they on Facebook? Are they texting back home? Do they sneak off for a long lunch? What do these top people do? Archbishop of Canterbury. What does he actually do? What does, it, what does he do? I can stand in a church. <laughs> <laughs> and read the Bible. <laughs> 
I just, I'm loving the idea. I see, I see a TV series or two. I see a whole series of books. This could just go on and on. And it has to be all from Sam Broadley. <laughs> And then probably, you know, some top Las Vegas show or something. <laughs> now you're we're just, we're, we miss out Edinburgh. So what advice then? Let's end on a semi-serious note. What advice would you do? Because we've been asking about top jobs, dream jobs, and my lovely listeners sent in a few different ideas. But for that person sitting there thinking... You know, I'm fed up with my job or I might want to start my own business. You know, you are the expert, Sam, in writing all of these letters. <laughs> what advice would you give for somebody that's just thinking, well, what shall I do now then? These are idiotic ideas, but the principle remains that you've got to make yourself stand out. So if you've got a job, a job, a specific job that you actually do want to go and apply for, you've got to think, okay, what am I going to offer that's different? You know, I really believe that. You've got to get them excited about you, you know, to get what they want to know more about you. What are you going to offer? And that's when you can sell yourself face to face. In terms of just a career change, it's just you've got to spend the time thinking, what do I actually want for my life? Where do I want to, want to be? I believe in modelling people as well. Mm. So if there's someone you admire and you'd like their life, you'd like their career, model them. Find out how they did it. How did they get there? Mm. You know, what do they do now? Mm. And model them. Have you got somebody that you model? I, I Comedians and writers are the people I admire. I, there's some fabulous writers. I love Danny Wallace. Yes. So anyone who's we heard know, of Danny yeah. Wallace will yeah. know what I'm talking about. If yeah. you don't know who Danny Wallace is, get out there and find out, find his books. I mean, yeah. he's, he's fantastic. I mean, I don't laugh out loud at books, but his, his, I, I literally laugh out loud. Oh, it's a gift. I wish I was funny. A friend of mine which was telling me, Marie, she said she was reading Danny Wallace's Yes Man, where he has to say yes to everything in the world. He did it for six months everything he had to say yes to love it and uh, you should you would not believe how it changed his life and the stories are hilarious and she said there was one story she was sitting on the tube and it was so funny that she could not stop laughing she was on her own reading a book on the tube she could not stop laughing everyone was staring at her she had to get off <gasps> and then she oh, no. composed herself got back on the tube and it reminded her of her laughing she started laughing again had to get off again <laughs> I think that's a really good idea. I want to do that. Just say yes to everything. <laughs> yeah, read that book. Um, it's the best book. Well, now the second best book ever. Of it? course, <laughs> other than yours. I'm going to ask Patrick, who's just joined us. We're going to play out shortly, and yeah. Patrick is going to join, um, take over the hot seat from 8 o'clock. Do you think it's a good idea to say yes to everything, Patrick? Say yes to everything. Yes, because we're just talking about a book from um, Sam's favourite author and comedian, and for six months he just said yes to everything. Literally uh, everything. Yeah, well, no, would be the answer. <laughs> <laughs> because it might be something that you really shouldn't do, like murder somebody. Oh, yeah. no, Patrick! <laughs> oh, my God! You just got to hope that no one asks you to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I think it's a really good idea, and I, I, I I'm going to try it. I don't know quite where. Honestly, read read the book. Yeah. It's so inspirational. Yeah. And makes you. And in fact, that's the one piece of advice I'd give to everyone. Yeah. If you need an attitude change, read that book. It'll make you laugh out loud throughout. But the stories are so inspirational. Yeah. Honestly, I've, it actually did change my life reading that book because I thought yeah. I need to say yes more. You don't need to say yes to everything, but you'll say yes more once you've read that book. Sam, how can we find out about you? Sorry? How can we find out about you? Do we just Google Sam Broadley, I'm your man? If you put my name, Sam Broadley, into Amazon, I will appear with my book, I'm your man, Letters of the World's Most Ambitious Job Applicant. Mm -hmm. uh, it is pr in print, it's on Kindle, and it's also on Audible. So I can read my letters to you. And also, the replies to my letters are being read by Alan Dedicote, who is uh, the National Lottery Numbers Reader outer. Fantastic. Um, Strictly announcer, so he announces all the acts on Strictly. So he's a, yeah. he's a famous voice. So, and he puts me to shame with his voice as well on, the, on, on Audible. So yeah, oh, there's three different options there for you. Fantastic, Sam. Well, look, thank you for being a great guest. Thank you to Scott Whitehead from Zest City as well. We'll put the details on the Listen Again link. And we are going to play out with a track that Sam requested. We won't go into any more details other than playing <laughs> it. And I will see you this time next week. And I will leave you in the very capable hands of Patrick. Love you lots. Bye-bye. Oh, you're so
on the hour across Brentwood and Billericay. This is Phoenix FM.